to the DGD Podcast, the Georgia Bulldogs Podcast for Dogs. From the gun again on first down, fires wide, Juan Daniels, touchdown Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels, and you're listening to the DGD Podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go Dogs! Welcome to the DGD Podcast. Guys, the chain is out. Branson Robinson commits to the dogs. First things first, a lot to talk about, but I want to welcome on Georgia great Chris Burnett. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it, man. It's been a long time of us communicating and coordinating this, so glad to be on. I appreciate you having me. Hey, man, absolutely, and it's my pleasure to have you on. I know, guys, if you're not familiar with Chris Burnett, which you're Patrick Starr if you're not, you know, 2013 – you know, Clemson, Georgia. So there's some ties there. You know, hey, same recruiting class as Aaron Murray. Hey, I, you know, I graduated in 09 too. So I didn't play football, but hey, you know, it is what it is. But like I said, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, Chris, like I said, welcome on. A uh, lot to talk about, and we're going to go jump right into it. NCAA is just shaking right now uh, with the news about Texas and Oklahoma uh, joining the SEC or petitioning to join the SEC. Look, that right there, you have SEC media days. That's four days of coverage from all 14 teams, Nick Saban, all these guys. And now that is an afterthought, and rightfully so. So I think it starts out, it's worth talking here, guys. Chris, I want I want your opinion on the news. What, what were you thinking as you heard this? Yeah, um, I was actually at the airport uh, when I saw the news on Twitter and I was shocked. I thought it was a joke at first. Like, there's no way that Texas and Oklahoma would even be, one, considering this, uh, but two, that it would be this close to the finish line at this point, and there hadn't been any rumblings up until this point. Uh, because I guess if this does kind of come to fruition, it'd have to be one of the, the greatest kept secrets in college football history that there was no leakage, there was no conversations about this because from my understanding, I think they even inquired last year, at the end of last year. Um, but it's going to shift not only the the balance of power within um, the SEC, uh, obviously within the West and the Eastern conferences or however else they try to shake things out with the divisions, um, but really just college football in general. Um, it, it would make it very difficult, especially with Oklahoma, for there to not be, um, if not one, at least potentially two um, SEC teams within, you know, the college football playoff at the end of the year now. It's kind of crazy to think about. Man, I, I agree with you. That It, it shook me. And it, it honestly, I don't care what anybody says, I'm, I'm under the impact that that's the hottest take or the hottest kept secret, period. Uh, yeah. Just, just because of the ramifications of where we are right now in a state of college football. You know, you look at NIL. Um, all types of things going on around, you know, the world of sports, uh, you know, and then to think that the SEC, which in my opinion is the strongest conference, at least for football uh, purposes, yeah, uh, you know, strongest conference is in my opinion, without a doubt, um, you know, top to bottom, you know, there's some questions at the bottom, but nonetheless, when you have the likes of Alabama, Georgia, uh, Auburn, Florida, LSU, you know, to think about possibly, or I think honestly, not even a possible. I think it's happening. Um, you know, adding a Texas and a Oklahoma, it, it's it's just mind-boggling. And and obviously, you're starting to see 
you know, people running around and their minds going crazy with with ideas, possibilities, what ifs, which is really what we're about to be doing. Yeah. You know, you, t- you know, I was watching the media days and, and it broke, you know, and one of the key things for me was when Sankey mentioned the two words that everybody understands that you knew exactly what was going on. No comment. As soon as you heard that, you knew that was there was a legitimate smoke right there. Yeah. And yeah. So now that things are just going so fast, it's it's mind boggling what's going on and just the possibilities are endless. But I'm also nervous. I'm very happy to have those two in there if it happens. But I'm also nervous what it's going to mean for college football. Because you you, you have your, you know, you would have 16 teams in in the SEC if, you know, if nobody is, you know, kicked out, which I don't foresee that happening. Right. Uh, I mean, there's always a possibility, you know, that some teams may, you know, bounce or whatever. Uh, A&M, sorry. Uh, You know, they're not happy about it. Uh, but no, I think, you know, you look at teams like bottom teams, how does that impact them? Things like there's so many questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a former Georgia player, you also went through the expansion when uh, in 2012 with A&M and, you know, Missouri. You know, right. So I want to hear you. I want to hear your thoughts as, as a player, you know, adding those two teams to the SEC. Did it change your preparation? Did it did it change anything in, in your mentality to how to go about your, uh, you know, your business? Yeah, I, I mean, I will say it probably changed preparation a little bit more than anything, um, but it was a very interesting time because you think about the SEC and what it stands for, Southeastern Conference. That's no longer the Southeastern South Eastern Conference if you're adding in Missouri, Oklahoma, you know, Texas A&M, Texas, et cetera. Um, so I think initially it just was something to chuckle about because you're like, man, that – that doesn't really uh, add to the logic here, but uh, when it does come to just, uh, you know, preparing and playing in these games and the shifts that come to uh, the divisions within the conference, um, I think it was interesting because in 2012, you know, typically you're, you're usually accustomed and prepared for the team you're getting ready to play. Like you're familiar with the, the coordinators that they have. You're familiar with the players that they not only have as starters, but who's kind of up in the ranks and is, is planning to come. Um, and when we were preparing for Missouri, I think it was the third game of the season. Uh, it was very different. Uh, you know, we had a lot of guys we just hadn't watched a lot of film on. So you had to do more study than you did. You would typically you didn't have the the typical ideas of, OK, I know what this guy's going to do in certain circumstances. You just had to prepare a little bit harder. Um, but at the end of the day, it wound up being just like any other football game. Uh, I just, I'll never forget because, uh, you know, leading up to that game, Sheldon uh, Richardson had some fun stuff to say about us playing old man football. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he was actually the three technique lined up against me the entire game. So I, I knew I had, you know, a lot of weight on my shoulders that if I didn't play well and proved him right uh, in their inception to the SEC, it would be a bad look. So, Thankfully, uh, we were able to get the win. Thankfully, Sheldon didn't make too many plays. Um, you know, I've, I've known him since we were in high school, uh, so it was good to kind of get that W. But it'll be interesting to see how the players, you know, in the upcoming season or whenever the actual uh, adjustment officially happens are able to prepare and adjust because it's definitely uh, a significant one when it comes to preparation. Oh, yeah, no, I, without a doubt. You know, looking at, you know, Back in 2012, I always questioned the alignment here, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So, you know, you bring in A&M in Missouri, but you put Missouri in the east. And it's 
actually the farthest team outside of A and M to the West. Right. You know, I've always wondered what if why wouldn't they move Auburn, you know, to the East because it's right at Georgia and, and yeah. they keep Missouri in the West. You know, which like I said, we'll talk more about this in just a second. But now yeah. you add Texas and Oklahoma into the fold, and there's no question about it. You're going to have to do some geographic shuffling. There's no, no question, question about it. Yeah, no whether question. you keep the east, whether you keep the you know the east and west, or you could. I've seen things where you maybe do a north south. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of finagle it around there, or do the pods that I saw on the uh, the SEC network a little bit. Um, you know, there's so many questions about it, but I, I think it's you know if you add these two teams for one, you know. If you bring in the situation where you have, you know, maybe like one of my interests is here. Take Alabama, take Auburn, move them to the east. Missouri goes to the west and then bring in the two Oklahoma, Texas, put them in the west. You know, that's a possibility. I think it's pretty smooth. But then you have to sit here and look. You know, people start to wonder, like, you know, you have Bama and you have Georgia in the same, you know, division. You know, right. my, my take on that is, okay, so you had LSU and Bama in 2011, 2012, when those were the two best teams by far. That's right. that's and that's right. a year, you know, those are teams that are historically elite teams, you know, and add in Auburn when they're, when they're hot, you know. So the West has been typically the powerhouse. You know, it can, it can happen. But that's what happens when you have this much elite program, this many elite programs in yeah. a conference. There's no, there's no way to sit here and try to balance it out. It's yeah. going to happen. It's just going. Something's going to have to give. So whatever way they set it up, I, I can't wait to see what they do. Uh, obviously, we're talking here as if this is going to be official. I, I think it will be. Yeah, yeah, same. And I mean, it's honestly, it's a good problem to have. Uh, yeah. To be honest, it means there's going to be more and more marquee matchups week in and week out that people are excited to see and um, pay attention to. So regardless of how they shake it out whether there's one super powerhouse, um, you know, division, or there's one that's a little bit more um, even keeled and one that's a little weaker, or if they're able to split it in a way that they're, you know, half and half pretty strong. Either way, it's going to provide a lot of dialogue, a lot of intrigue, and I think the fans will get their money's worth, you know, no matter how it shakes up. Oh, you know, absolutely. And honestly, I know you want to keep, you know, SEC is about tradition. You know, That's right. you, you've played in these games before. You've played against Auburn. You've played against Florida, right? You're not going to see those games go away. That's uh, right. You know, with, with the current setup, you know, you hear about the permanent crossover. Uh, obviously, you play each division team, one permanent crossover and then another, uh, intercom, you know, one crossover, but that is not permanent. You know, right. I, I think if you, you know, I think you're going to have to move to non-conference games. I agree. Uh, you know, with that being said, though, I, I think it's OK to keep a permanent crossover because, you know, you sit here and you're going to have to create some new ones. Right. But some of these That's old right. ones, right, some of these old ones are, are now, you know, you split the gap. For instance, like I said, we're using my model. If Bama and Auburn go to the east, you know, there is no, you know, Auburn, Georgia Right, and the permanent right. crossover. So that opens yeah. things up. That opens up new yeah. stuff. That's right. But then, yeah. but then you take away another rivalry with Bama LSU. Right. So you know, it's going to switch things up, you know, and, and looking at that tradition, I believe that that is something that I would love to see kept. I, I love these kind of games, right? Uh, you know, LSU Bama is always fun to watch. Must see TV. Yeah. Georgia, you know, Georgia and Auburn, same way. It, it, there's always good games coming out of this, you know. But now you start to look at where college football is now. Bama and, and Tennessee is that that's your permanent crossover time to kind of switch that around, you know, until things can get even back out if it does. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, but then if you add in Texas A&M or Texas and Oklahoma, 
the 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 possibility to add these permanent crossovers and, and make honestly potential playoff games or playoff caliber feel at least from an environment standpoint there, there's so much money to be made and honestly that's the right. that's the derivative here it, it's it's that's all right. about the money it's all that's about right. money. 100%. And and honestly, you know, as things shift, as, you know, the NIL is is activated, as, you know, some of these seismic changes to uh, conferences change and happen, it just seems inevitable that there may be potential for more games to be added to the season. Honestly, you think about what we're talking about of, like, how do we make it fit? How do we get everybody to play the teams within their division still have the rotating game to where the the, the schedule doesn't become stale, So have kind of your major um, kickoff games that you may want to have at the beginning of the year, along with any additional conference out-of-conference rivalries that you need to have, like a Tech um, or even a Clemson. It makes it more and more likely um, that, you know, the NCAA or whoever is in charge now, I, I feel like I don't even have a clue, um, is able to expand <laughs> – a little bit on the number of games and um, they could justify it a little bit because they're like, Hey, the guys are actually making a little bit of money. Now they get a little bit more of the piece of the pie. Um, so, you know, they can start making some more additional demands. You never know. You know, that's, that's something I was wondering about there too. You know, obviously where it stands now, the potential for, well, I don't think it's even a potential about this. I think it's going to happen. It's inevitable. The playoff yeah. expand into 12. Uh, yeah. you know, looking at that right there, obviously, I think to your point, that's your extra games. Yeah. But yeah. If, you take, if you take your regular season and you sit there, you have. I think if you, for SEC purposes, you have to take away. It, it, let's just say that Oklahoma and Texas are in this hypothetically. You have to take away a non-conference game and now mm-hmm. add your conference game, which is us talking about the non-conference games. Yeah. So you know, you keep the regular season, but then you add the you know add the uh, extra games for the playoffs for those teams that make it conference championships, whatever. So you sit there, you know, and talking about uh, expansion, right? A lot of people, I, I saw a lot of people, and, and I've had conversations with, you know, people were wondering why would Texas, why would Oklahoma want to join the SEC when when Oklahoma's won six six straight Big Twelve titles, basically right. almost guaranteeing them a shot at the playoffs, you know, every year. Yeah. Why would they want to do that? And and I tell people it's like with the, the you know the playoffs expanding to twelve because it's going to happen. When that expansion mm-hmm. happens, there's no reason for them not to join the SEC. The, the mm-hmm. revenue splits are going to be insane. And, and like I said, it's all about the money. You hear text, right. you know, the Longhorn Network, people talking about, you know, just this is the common things that you hear. The Longhorn Network, what's going to happen? Guys, it's ran by ESPN, which also airs SEC and the network. They don't need the Longhorn Network if they join the SEC. So right. they can get rid of that. It, it's going to be on ESPN anyway. So yeah. you see these things right here, and you you know you see the arguments, you see the debate because it's, look, it's caught everybody off guard. Going back to the beginning, best kept secret, it caught everybody off guard, and now everybody is in a freaking frenzy, you know, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But, but I want to talk about playoffs here. I want to talk yeah. about playoffs. You know, you see here, and look, SEC. We're, I'm gonna have a little bit of bias here. Look, we're the best conference, and there's a reason for this. But when you expand to 12, you know, you start to hear these other conferences talking about, look, the SEC, you know, this is going to open up the SEC or, you know, you're going to lose your shot. I don't see that at all. I see three, maybe even four, especially when these two guys are added, if they do. Yeah. yeah. You, you could possibly see a four team or four SEC team playoff. Yeah. No, I mean, you're exactly right. It, it becomes more and more 
likely as things expand, as things evolve and grow, you know, everyone is pretty consistently on the same page when it comes to understanding in football, the SEC is, you know, the cream of the crop. Um, There's some conferences that have really good teams. Um, You know, obviously there's the Clemsons of the world. There's the, the Notre Dames who typically look good until it's time to face some top tier competition um, who are always, you know, in the conversation, Um, obviously Oklahoma and et cetera. But you think about that and you say, okay, if you fast forward to to the future, it's going to be the same teams in the mix anyway. It doesn't matter whether they're this conference or that conference. And I think the thing I'm excited about is – if they expand the playoffs, it just leads to more opportunities for guys to have exposure, leads to more opportunity for guys to get, you know, those bowl gifts and stuff because that that expands that. There's more money involved. Um, and it's usually a win-win-win for everybody. Better facilities, better, um, you know, coaches that you can bring in because you have more, you know, money to at the disposal. It's just always interesting to see how things change and evolve because I, I usually like to see things stay the same. I'm not a huge proponent for change, especially for stuff that has a lot of tradition tied to it, like college football. Um, but I think if you're making the changes uh, that are for the better um, to the overall enjoyment of the sport, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. I can't be against it at all. Yeah. Now I hope that, I hope that whatever changes are made here, you know, moving forward are, I don't know if they really are, uh, you know, I always feel like the, the powers that be kind of have their best interests. It feels like at times, and I can see yeah. that argument. I, I yeah. really just hope that whatever comes of this really benefits college football, you know, expanded yeah. to 12. You know, let's just be honest here. You, I'm sure you heard this. Debo's comment about 12 teams, you know, the expansion, things like that. You know, my thing is this. You sit here, you look at – I look at what he said. If you're not familiar with what he said, he was basically – paraphrasing here saying that you know he doesn't think that there's 12 teams good enough to be in the playoffs my thing is this I'm gonna I know it's a little bit of a far-fetched stretch here maybe but I look at the NCAA March Madness tournament 64 teams to tell me that you know there's 64 teams not worthy of being a national title I get it yeah but that's the that's the beauty of it you see here you can take a Cinderella team and make a national title run or, you know, or make some noise and, and upset some feelings. That's right. That's, that's the beauty of it. And, and honestly, you look at, you know, just FCS. FCS alone, they have their playoff system. And right. I haven't heard a problem about it. Yeah. So no, there's, no reason, there's no reason why we can't have an expanded playoff and make it work. Yeah, so true. I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, they will make it work. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm yeah. fully confident that they will. Um, I think just as a traditionalist, it makes me a little sad because it, it makes some of the bowl games, like their naming, not as important. Like you think about going to the Sugar Bowl, it's like, oh, I'm going to the Sugar Bowl, whereas now it may be, you know, the Sugar Bowl is round one of the college football play. You know, so it just kind of deteriorates a little bit of the value yeah. of the naming there. But I at the end of the day, it's just a name. Yeah, I, I see. I think that's where rotating – the uh, playoff site games oh, yeah. uh, come yeah. in handy. Uh, you know, because, for instance, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma, right, and the Rose Bowl it live in infamy for us. I, I love that's it. Right. Right? I, I, that's right. It's, it's something yeah. that's always going to be a part of a Georgia fan, uh, you know, in their heart and, and in their mind. Uh, you know, so, you know, without that's the right. Rose Bowl, we wouldn't play it in the Rose Bowl. 
Right. You know, that's we wouldn't right. have to that's go to right. UCLA to go there or you know, right. we'd have to that's go right. out there. But, you know, that's that's the thing about that. But obviously you're here talks about the, uh, you know, the home, you know, the home for the five and eight, uh, five through eight. My thing is this, though, my criticism about it. And I want to get your thoughts on this, too. Mm-hmm. Why not let the one through four host a home game and do your bowl mm-hmm. games for five through eight and then nine through 12? Because in my opinion, the one through four earned the right, in my opinion, to yeah, be, to have home home field advantage. Home field yeah. advantage. Now, obviously, whether it be you know, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see the whole entire playoff plan from home on campuses. Right. Yeah. But maybe that you know that second round, you know, yeah. do that right there. I think that makes perfect sense because you're one through four teams anyway. People are going to be noticed on that anyway. Yeah. So take a one through four and let whoever plays that first round winner put them in there and let them play on campus of the one through four. You get in your bowl games. They're important because they're playing to the second round. So you get that. Yeah. But then those those that the next bowl games are really just you know hugely televised home and homes. You That's know, right. so if you know, so you know, maybe a situation arises if you have two SEC teams. You know mm-hmm. that. Well, actually, no, because your top four anyway are going to be your conference champions more than likely. That's right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. you're going to have different networks hosting different things. So That's to right. me, it just kind of aligns, you know, trying to think a little bit more analytically here. Yeah. You know, I think the one through four earned the right to sit here and play a home game, but that also leads to the ranking system in itself. I have criticisms about this, you know, right now with the four. I don't necessarily like it. And I may be, I might be stretching this, but the BCS formula, in my opinion, I, I loved it. And the yeah, reason why I say it, good. Yeah. The I reason mean- why. Like yeah. I've talked to people offline and things like that. And I've always asked them, I was like, with the BCS system, name one national title game that had one or two things. Name one that sat there, had a bad game. And if it, if it was a mismatch, tell me why the two teams in there weren't uh, worthy enough. Yeah. Because sure, you could look at LSU and Bama back in 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, those two teams were the farthest away from everybody and wasn't even close that year. So the BCS never really got it wrong. It took strength of schedule. It took when you lost into account. Yeah. And, and you take and for this way, you take people out of it because people have them biases. People, it's just human nature. You know, greed could play a part, right? Like you sit there, you have Clemson and Bama. They know they're money drivers. But you sit there, you want to put performance on the table? Let the BCS do it. So, I mean, yeah. that's just one of my things. What are your thoughts on the playoff ranking system now? Do you like it? Yeah. Do you not like it? What changes do you think could be made? Yeah, well, one, I think they need to add you to the um, college football playoff committee because uh, you definitely have some good ideas. I, I love the idea of if they expand to have there be some form of incentive for the top four teams to where they can have some home games. I think that adds just some beauty to it, um, some intrigue, but also it incentivizes those teams to being, you know, those top four seeds. But also I, I think <clears> – <throat> the way that they kind of come to the conclusion of who the top four teams are now, it could use some work. I was, I was a fan of the BCS system. I know the computers would get a bad rap, but like you said, it, it usually came up with the right answer. Um, you know, the only time I think I had <clears throat> some beef with it was, uh, I guess, 2007 um, when Georgia had to play Hawaii um, yeah, yeah. in the Sugar Bowl. But that a, other than that, I can't really think of a time where it was like, man, that's wrong, or this was blatantly not even close to what it should have been. 
Um, but I, I feel like the biggest thing that I have is my biggest hope is that we don't lose the value of each individual game. Um, I would hate to see if it expands to 12 that you have three lost teams and four lost teams, you know, within the uh, playoff, because I think that's the beauty of it is every single week, if you knew if you lose one time or if you lose twice, you're pretty much out of the mix. Um, yep. So that was that would always bring more and more excitement. It made those upsets that much sweeter, um, regardless Take of whether. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it just it makes uh, the intrigue that much higher, and um, I would just hope that whatever they decide to do, it doesn't diminish um, kind of that beauty of every every Saturday matters. You know, to your point here, uh, you talked about diminishing the regular season games. And, and one of the things that I look at here, I try to I try to come up with solutions to fix this because I've heard the argument. I, I can understand mm-hmm. both sides of the argument, why it would and why it wouldn't. You know, you take a two-loss or three-loss team. You look at Florida with, with four losses. They were still ranked in the top 12, hypothetically, four mm-hmm. losses. Right. But the question there, like the, the solution for this, in my opinion, is the strength of schedule if would matter. Because mm-hmm. if, for instance, if, if Georgia goes through a season and they play, you know, if they play the SEC East, right, you save Bama and Auburn go in there. If Bama go or say Bama, Auburn go in there, you have Georgia playing Bama, Auburn, Florida, you know, did you have a, uh, you know, whoever your cross opponent, maybe, maybe Texas, you know, mm-hmm. you look at the, you look at the strength of schedule. And if you have three losses, depending on who those losses are, Maybe it's worth you know. Maybe it's worth you being in the playoffs over a team that has a weaker schedule and mm-hmm. just and just coast. You know, uh, not looking at any conference uh, yeah. just because <laughs> you can't help who you play, but you get what I mean. Right. You right. Know, these, yeah. Let's just be honest here. The, the non you know the marquee non conference I think should matter. You look at what Georgia with under Kirby Smart's done. You know, taken before this came out, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, right. Not afraid to sit here and schedule these marquee matchups mm-hmm. because you know if you expand to twelve, I think this is where strength of schedule has to matter. You know you can't help the conference schedule, but you definitely can help your non-conference. The issue there is these you know these lower level schools, the FCS schools, the D, um, group of five schools. How do you how do you sit here and and help them out? Yeah, uh, but, that, but that's right. another topic for another day. I think. You know, if I'm looking at the money, you definitely want to make sure that when you get to the playoffs, because it's all about the money, let's be honest, I have the right teams in there. So if, if a team is sitting there and you lose early and you lose to a good team, you know, looking at A&M, looking at Georgia in the past, right? You know, we lose and then we sit on at five, right? I thought we were the fourth best team and we got put out for Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. The powers to be right. made the rule or made the, you know, made that call. But you sit there, like to your point, you see a three-loss team, four-loss team. You, you need to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And if you lose to teams that you have an like a, a good shot, like a Georgia Clemson, you know, if mm-hmm. Georgia loses to Clemson and it's close, I think it's not going to hurt Georgia. As I mean, now, obviously, right. right now we have to win the SEC title, right? You know, but if we were thinking hypothetically through this playoff expansion, right? You know, we lose to Clemson. You know, it's not the end of the world. The game matters because if you sit here and do that home, you know, home for the one through four, you're where we are right now. Whoever wins that game is going to be a lot to be a top four. Yeah. So, so, you know, that makes it matter. You know, not only do you have the rivalry, but it matters because of the stakes at, at hand, especially with these teams that are, you know, elite teams looking to make the playoffs. 
you know, you have these group of five schools. Last year was a perfect example. Cincinnati was a playoff team if you were in the top – if we did a 12. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they, earned, they earned the respect of me. Uh, you know, didn't think much about it. I, and, and, you know, Georgia fans can sit here and say, well, we were had a bunch of opt-outs. I don't care about that. I, yeah. Opt-outs is just a poor excuse to sit here for an elite program like Georgia. We needed to handle business. Ultimately, we did, but it, it was ugly and yeah, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. But you look at you look at teams like Louisiana, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, like Coastal Carolina, and you can question it, but those teams looked good last year, yeah. and I was yeah. able to watch the BYU game. That was a damn good game. Yeah, so I think I think it gives the inclusiveness, but it also you know make sure make sure that the teams that are involved earn it. You know, if you if if Clemson goes in there and plays the ACC schedule and everybody's like down, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. then they play cup literally cupcake games for right there. If they lose one to two games, that means more. Those losses mean a lot more than right. a three loss team where you go through the gauntlet. Like we talked about, if if That's Alabama right. and Auburn go in, that makes sense. Like I would take a three loss team over a, a two loss team because you lost. You should you shouldn't worry. You shouldn't lose to that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just my thought about it. I know mm-hmm. I kind of went on a rant there, guys, but um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I think, <laughs> I, mean, I think you're right. I I feel like the thing that I'm when it comes to the the major schools, the powerhouse schools, the schools that should be in the position to be in play for the the playoff, like you said, they need to take care of business. And I think that keeps a lot of that integrity of um, every Saturday mattering. Um, but again, my main concern is for those smaller schools, like you were saying, like the Louisvilles, the Coastal Carolinas, and you know, they may open up the field for them to get that chance. Um, but also, it's sometimes, especially with the conferences expanding, they could just start making exceptions and say, well, we're going to, because this conference is so strong, we're just going to automatically get Alabama, Georgia, Florida, uh, Oklahoma. Like, they almost are automatically in the playoffs unless they lose, like, five games. And that, that would be my thing is, like, ah, I would hate to see that. Um, yeah. But it, it could be really good to expand and, and give some opportunity to those small schools. So yeah, you know, I, I love I love seeing opportunity because t- certain teams, you know, will take that opportunity and run with it, and, and that's yeah. what makes college sports so beautiful. You that's know, right. you've you've seen it in pro sports, but for me, I I, I I I love college football. You know, but you sit there, you see a school like Coastal Carolina, you would have never thought that they would be anything, and then they come out to be almost a fringe top ten team. You yeah. Know? So you know, you could. Kids take the opportunity and they run with it, and that's what I like about it. So, you know, looking at this right here, right? Like, obviously, Texas, Oklahoma is a huge topic right now, guys. If if you're just tuning in, if you know, I have to look at it from this way too, from the top down, because you're going to have teams like Georgia, your Bama, Florida, Auburn, you know, all these, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, they're going to benefit from this, you know. But do you see a do you see the power gap getting wider and making it worse? Or do you think, you know, certain factors, outlying factors help these low, uh, lesser schools help them out in a way to try to somewhat even the gap in regards to the power gap? What do you think? That, that's a great question, because I feel like there's a solid invalid argument on both sides. Um, you think about the improvement to facilities that guys have access to their access to food, um, nutrition, um, you know, uh, coaching not only from a physical standpoint, but even emotional and, and um, psychological coaching that you receive, um, ability to have access to, you know, guys who are former pros and get their knowledge, et cetera. 
like that clearly seems to weigh more to the side of those bigger powerhouse schools and the teams who are halves just kind of getting richer and richer. Uh, but then on the other end, you think about where we are in 2021 and how things work. Like we live in the information age. Um, any piece of information that's accessible to one person is typically available to another. You just have to know how to find it. Um, and I think that could make it even more likely that those smaller schools may not have the same amount of facilities, equipment, access to be able to get access to that same information that normally would be kind of locked behind a paywall of prestige in the past. So you may learn, you know, I, I, you could go on YouTube and find out what's the best uh, foods for me to be eating for recovery. Um, and another guy at another school, you know, doesn't get kind of that cutting edge information because he's just trusting the facility he has. And there could be kind of that that pull and tug in both directions. So I feel like there's a valid argument either way. I do think that, you know, the larger your school, the more tradition there is, the more talent you're around, typically the better it is uh, overall, because I, I do think when you're around better competition and better talent, you're just automatically going to get better um, if you're actually taking it seriously. Um, so I do think there's probably more stones on that side of the scale for sure. Um, but I feel like we're just in a, an interesting phase in the world where uh, the smaller, there's just less barriers to entry uh, to being great, whether that be in football or the business world or really anything. So yeah. it's always interesting to see how that can play out across the board. Yeah. No bar barriers to entry. I think it's a good word just, you know, from a business guy, you know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you see here, you know, for me, you know, I look at it, I looked at it this way. Uh, initially, and I've, I try to analyze things before I come and make takes, things like that. But Vanderbilt literally played nine games last year, lost every single one, and they still got $60 million, guys. 60. Just wow. now, obviously, you want, you want your conference to be, you know, overall top to bottom stronger because I think right. from a national standpoint, that makes you look better. That's if you right. beat them, but to lose every single game that you played still make $60 million. Not to say they're already, they're making a ton of upgrade renovations. If you heard about that. You oh know, no, I hadn't heard that. I, if I'm not mistaken, they're doing some uh, facilities upgrades. I want to say that I need to confirm that, but I thought I heard something about that. Wow. Um, yeah, but I mean, they need it. They need it. So I was going to say they probably need it, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. you know, but if you take schools, you know, that are hard to win at, right? South Carolina is a perfect example for me. Shane Beamer, I think, has that culture. He's going to turn that culture around. But even Steve Spurrier had a hard, hard time winning at South Carolina. It's just the nature of the beast because yeah. of where you are. You know, some programs are have it just better than that, and you know, better than others. But that's the that's beauty true. of it because Spurrier caused a lot of hell in the East. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he, did. he, he did. took South Carolina and moved them to where they needed to be. That's you right. know, for a little bit, but I think Derek turns into consistency. But uh, but enough about that. Uh, you know, I'm a, before we let you go. I, I do want to. Uh, you know, I know it's coming up on 12:45 here, guys. Been on for about 40 minutes now. Um, I do want. I want to give you a second to you know promote your show uh, under further review. Uh, yeah. Look, I love your show, man. I know y'all just talked about uh, politics and sports. Yeah. Uh, so you got yeah. some got some touchy subjects that you know <laughs> definitely worth listening for. I, yeah. I love I love debates. I love these kind of things. So that's up my alley. Uh, but yeah. hey, guys, promote your show. I, I know if you're not familiar, under further review, uh, Chris and Brandon Boykin uh, do their shows on YouTube. But I'm gonna let you take it away. Let you promote your stuff, man. Where can they find you? 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said, you did a great job of kind of teeing that up for me. It's called Under Further Review. Um, you know, it's a podcast. It's a TV show. Um, I feel like we're we're planning to to even make some additional adjustments to it uh, for season two. But um, like you said, we can be found on YouTube. We can be found on you know Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and really we try to hit on sports culture and all things in between. Um, we're not staying within the the small siloed box of college football or even Georgia football, but clearly we're going to talk about it. Uh, you know, some unheard stories and um, some fun memories that we had that we're able to share with uh, the viewers there. But uh, bigger than that, we just try to have our perspective on, like you said, some either controversial topics or topics that are, you know, really, uh, hot button issues that are prevalent in the world today and, and give our insight and perspective, you know, with me being a businessman and Brandon being an entrepreneur, we like to talk about that or talk about creativity because um, we both kind of have a little bit of a right brain aspect to us. So this is a fun, it's a fun time, you know, anyone who's listening or watching can find us um, at UFR pod on um, Twitter or under further review podcast on Instagram and, um, obviously you can find us on all those other platforms we mentioned before. So, yep. You know, guys, obviously most of my fans, uh, most of my listeners and audience are dog fans anyway. So you best believe y'all better know who I'm talking about here. You can also find them personal on Twitter and Instagram too. Go give them a follow. Uh, hey, check out their YouTube, subscribe to their YouTube channel. Chris, man, I just can't say enough, man. Thanks for coming on. I know initially we had talked offline. The yes. show plans had changed last minute. Uh, uh, what we had initially intended to, uh, you know, talk about kind of changed with this yeah. move. Uh, but it was, you know, definitely eye-opening for me to hear, you know, a former player's uh, standpoint on these issues. Well, not really issues, but these topics. So, yeah. like I said, thanks for coming on and kind of giving me the insight and everybody listening and watching at home, uh, you know, the insight, you know, from a former player yourself. Yeah, that's my pleasure. And I appreciate you, you know, reaching out initially and, um, just the dialogue that we've had up until this point, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better, man. And likewise, um, just grateful that you got the opportunity to to kind of share some of my perspective for sure. So I appreciate yeah. you. Hey, my pleasure. I look, to, look forward to try to set something up, maybe uh, come on again at some point and talk about some other issues or yes, topics sir. at hand. So yeah. I love guys, like I said, thanks uh, again, Chris, man. And hope you have a rest of your day, a uh, great rest of your day. I appreciate it. You too. Go dogs. Go dogs. All right, guys, that's all we've got for today. Obviously, we'll kind of touch on everything. Look, Texas and Oklahoma, huge thing going on. But let's talk dog football, guys. Remember, the chain's out for a reason. Branson Robinson, running back from Mississippi, commenced to the dogs yesterday. That being said, to uh, make sure you like, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. For this episode of the uh, for the DGD podcast, go dogs. <laughs>